welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, I'm here with Shane and Davis. You guys just finished the race today. How'd it go? Good. Good. What was your favorite part? Uh, I was afraid you were going to ask that. Yeah? Well, what was your favorite thing you did? Was it throwing the spear? Going up the bridge. Going up the bridge. And that was my cool. favorite part was winning the trophy. Getting, getting your medal? That's pretty awesome. What was your least favorite part? Uh, uh, doing the arrows. Doing the arrows? Throwing the spear? It wasn't getting in the mud? No. No? Davis, what was your least favorite? The bridge one. No, your least favorite. Uh, what's that mean? The one you didn't like the most. The mud. The mud, yeah. It was really muddy. Would you guys do it again? Not no? the mud. Not well, the would mud. you do another race again? Yeah. Shane, would you do it again? Uh, yeah. All right, awesome. All right, well, this is Mike Diebler, and thanks for tuning in to episode 50 of the OCR Underground Show. We're showing you the best training tips to crush your next obstacle course race. And that little intro you heard was a, an amazing interview I did with my son Davis and his friend Shane after completing the kids' half-mile race in Big Bear to get some of their thoughts. And uh, Big, Big Bear was a couple weeks ago from the recording of this podcast, but um, I did get a couple instant feedback so after the race i was walking around and just interviewing a couple people and just wanted to share some of their thoughts right now all right we're at big bear day two i'm with cameron smith how you doing i'm doing great hey i just wanted to get a little post race uh, post race uh review how'd you think it went uh did a double day beast so it was different uh this was one of the toughest courses i've ever seen uh, yesterday went very poorly, at least for me, and uh, was a little bit of more redemption today. Ended up finishing second in my age group, so nice job. I was stoked awesome. with that. You, you mentioned that, uh, so I did the beast yesterday too. You said uh, today was a little different. What did they change? Uh, so yesterday I had this notorious double sandbag that Brutal. I think some people took half an hour on. Uh, I have no idea how long I took, but it was much longer than I would have wanted. Um, they cut that to one sandbag, so that was a lot more manageable. And then they had some trouble, or were trying to get things taken down sooner, so they trimmed the course a little bit. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so, you doing this one next year? We'll see. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Hope so. This is one I last year I told myself I'm not doing that one again, and then here we are. So here you are. Yeah. And it was tougher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the good news is I don't know. Could they make that any tougher than it was? I'm sure they don't, could, but... I, I, I would think it would involve a lot of work to try and make it harder. Yeah. Yeah, let's just hope they keep it the same or easier And I, I don't think, just from conversations I've heard, I don't think that it'll happen where it'll be harder next year. I would assume it'll probably be a little bit less difficult. Yeah, I hope so. Awesome, man. Well, congrats. Good job. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, I'm here with Robin Carey, finishing uh, the sprint today. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. So how'd it go today? It was good. Yeah, the hills delivered. Yeah. Gnarly uphill. So you got to tell everybody how you finished. Yeah, exactly. Took first for my age group. Oh, that's so awesome. What was your time? 
So I'm asking everybody, will you run this next year? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Probably. It's a soul crusher, but I actually didn't run the sprint. Yeah, you did the beast yesterday. After the beast yesterday, uh, yeah, I just couldn't do it. Um, so what was, what was the hardest part of the beast? Everything. <laughs> everything locked up on me eventually. I had my calves locked up at mile six and then my quads at mile nine. Um, I think the killer was the double sand, the second sandbag that was double sandbag. I think I'm going to hear that a lot as I talk to people. Because that, uh, yeah, I saw it was basically littered with people up the hill, up yeah. the incline. Yeah. Everybody was stopping every 20 feet maybe yeah, um, yeah one guy said he was there for 30 minutes that i talked to you it was yeah, just no i think that was, was just about the average is 30 minutes to get through that sandbag carry. um yeah so that was by far the the toughest single obstacle i've ever done i i think so yeah um my least favorite actually was the first barbed wire crawl. I just don't like barbed wire crawl. Like going uphill and I was already tired and yeah. I might be alone on that one, but I just, I hated that one. Yeah. All of them. Mine was yeah. an uphill part of the bucket. Yeah. Just the uphill part, the rest was cool. Coming down, you just let <laughs> yeah. that bucket pull you down there. <laughs> All right, well, awesome. I'll let you guys go. Um, have a good day. Right. You too. You too, All right, I'm here with uh, Jason and Andrea. So how'd the race go today? Oh, it was fun, it was a challenge. Was, Big challenge. It's tiring. So first Spartan race for you guys. Yep. Yes. Will there be more? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So did the sprint. Did the which, sprint. Would you do a super or beast? After we do a couple more sprints. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I needed a couple more sprints. I don't think I would do one in the mountains. I think I would probably do one on flatland. Yeah, yeah. There's not many of those, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, overall, what did you think of the course? It was fun. It was a challenge. Um, it was more elevation and hill climbing than yeah. I was anticipating. Yeah, I was, I was planning <laughs> to run more than hike, and we did a lot of hiking. There was just For a sprint, this hiking. was a lot of hiking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I definitely, I, I had, I had images in my, head, in my head of running five miles and not, like, a slow march up a mountain. A 20-mile walk. <laughs> which I was, mean, like, a 20 minute it, it was mile. both nice because you didn't have to run, but then it was, like, anticlimactic, and it still kicked your ass. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun, though. All right. Well, so what was the, other than the hills, what was the hardest obstacle? Olympus. Olympus. Yes, I'd yeah. agree with that. Yeah, that's yeah. a tricky one, especially the first time you see it. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you lose grip, it's hard to sort of recover and get back to, uh, yeah. Definitely. What do you think of uh, the bucket carry? That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard, but at least you had a built-in seat if you needed to take a break. Yeah, there down, you go. Sit, regain, yeah. Your, regain your composure. Yeah. So that was, that was all right. All but right. Everything towards the end was harder because you were just beat up. And it's just nonstop. Yeah. Obstacle after obstacle. Yeah. But yeah, it was fun. I'd yeah. do it again for sure. Cool. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I thought that was kind of a fun thing to do is just uh, check out with a couple people after the race because, you know, it's just always fun to get that initial impression after a race on how you're feeling, kind of sometime that, that euphoria and great feeling after a race and other times it's it's miserable. And I loved asking the question, you know, is is this a race you want to do next year? And um, I, I mentioned as I was talking, as you heard, you know, I, I was dead serious last year when I ran this. I, I was just like, you know what? This is just one I'm, I'm not going to do again. Cross it off the list. And then, you know, here we are doing it again. And as I was racing in that beast, you know, that definitely crossed my mind. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to say never, but I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But um, it was just a fun, great to catch up with some people afterwards, both pretty elite and then uh, some uh, new time racers there. So uh, fun catching up. But uh, for those of you that didn't get to race Big Bear, you did miss out. It was an awesome course. It was obviously, like you heard, very 
very challenging, one of the harder ones I've ever done, but still always a great, a great accomplishment to get through something like that. Just a little bit of my, my recap and things of it that hopefully you can take away if you are gonna do this one in the future or even for future races. Um, yeah, this one was a, a brutal hill climb and it wasn't a ton of running, especially in the beginning, uh, especially for the beast. It was a, a brutal race and you know, I ran it with clients, just uh, wanted to support them. And my, my plan was to take it easy because I was gonna run the sprint the next day, but there really was no taking it easy because whether you were racing hard or just taking it you know, a little bit lighter, those hills were just brutal and you were walking up it anyway. So uh, lots of hills, no, no surprise there though, it was at a ski resort. Um, but the altitude does does make it a little bit more more challenging. Uh, I think the obstacles were pretty straightforward. The biggest obstacle was that uh, the the mountain itself. Although as you heard, depending on when you raced, if you had to do that double sandbag carry, um, and I did the open heat, so I wasn't too upset to see that they cut it back to a single sandbag. Because even with the single sandbag, I it was just a sea of people just laying there. Um, really struggling either not I, you know I'll, I'll admit I saw a lot of people not even attempting this one because it was such a, a challenge there so uh, definitely a, a challenge so make sure you're training for those hills and training for those carries at the same time because that was a big struggle um, other than that I think obstacles were definitely straightforward nothing too too crazy there um, as you heard in my interview I still think that the barbed wires are probably the hardest thing to get through it's time-consuming uh, I'm taller so it's a little awkward for me and uh, just that's just not where my strength is but um, so I, I always have trouble they had the first one was actually going up the hill the second one going downhill wasn't as bad but that uphill one was a little bit uh, tricky uh, one thing I want to bring up the Z wall <clears throat> and I've talked about this on uh, previous podcast, definitely check out because you know it's rare that you're going to get a perfectly flat area to put the Z wall on. And if it's on a hill, you're going to see that it's slanting one way and there's going to be an easy path. Now, I have to admit, I was totally tricked. I was tired as I got to the Z wall and I saw it leaning. So I said, Hey, and I I believe I even told somebody, hey, check out this side. I think it's going to be easier. I, I can't remember if they took my advice, but I kind of hope that they didn't because uh, I wasn't looking at the full wall because, yes, the first wall was definitely slanted and made a lot easier. But as soon as you got to that blind corner, it was leaning back the other way since you were going downhill. So I didn't really think that through. Um, so uh, lesson learned. Definitely look at the whole layout of the Z wall because you might start e on an easy path, but it might quickly turn uh, more challenging. So if you're going to do that blind corner, though, that's where you want the, the easiest. So um, definitely keep that in mind as you go through there. Um, uh, other thing I want to bring up about this race is just a reminder to run your own race. So as I mentioned, I, I came back and ran Saturday or Sunday to do the sprint and um, my legs were heavy. I was definitely tired, but I wanted to push it. And I, you know, the, the nice thing when you go back to back days is you pretty much know the course because it's the, the start and the finish of the, the previous race. So, uh, getting out there, I knew, Hey, the first two miles are pretty much just uphill walking. And I got to remember that that's not my strength. I just have to keep moving and, you know, push a pace that I can comfortably go knowing that I want to take off going flat and going downhill and make up my time there. So, uh, as I was going, um, you know, you get about a 30 second run 
before you start climbing that hill. So as soon as we got to the hill, I just put my head down and, and started climbing. And, and for sure, people were, were passing me. And, you know, that's never a good feeling. And sometimes I wanted to really try and push it and maybe even break out into a little jog going up the hill. But I just had to keep reminding myself, like, this isn't my race to do this. And I actually had a client, uh, she zipped right behind me going up the hill. And, you know, that my ego was getting me to me a little bit thinking, I can't let my client beat me. There's no way. And she was just taking off and her, the strength, her strength was in the hills. So she was just going off. And I was just reminding myself, stay behind, keep her on eyesight if you can, and go from there. And uh, we got to the first kind of flat area and a little bit of a downhill. And I was able to catch up to her. Then we went uphill again and she pulled away. And then as we go to that final downhill, now I was all those people that passed me in the beginning, I was passing them because I knew that's where my strength was. Now, um, I, I did beat my client and um, I hope she's listening because she has a, a, a target for next time to try and beat me. But my goal was not to beat her. But it was more, I just want to bring up the point of remember what is your strategy and don't rely on other people, right? You don't want to rely on other people's training to make up your decisions, right? If somebody's been just training like crazy going uphill and they're flying up those hills, you may not be ready for that and it might ruin you for the rest of your race or or vice versa, downhill. Uh, that's something I trained for a lot because I know it's a strength and I know I can make up a lot of point, uh, a, a lot of time there. So I'm going to take off there. But if you've never really trained downhill and you try and sprint down a hill, you, you're probably going to have a, a whole bunch of issues there with banged up joints and maybe tripping, falling, um, whatever it might be, but that, that just might not have been your race. So have your strategy going in. Definitely. There's sometimes where you have to call the audible and uh, adjust things, but know why you're adjusting it. Not just because somebody else is doing something right. So just wanted to bring that up to hopefully, uh, give you some more clarity as you're going through your races to really think about what was your plan, you know, and regardless of your level, like you should have a plan going in and just stick to that plan and, and follow through there. Um, moving into this week's episode, uh, I did want to mention, I, I post on our social media, which if you don't follow us, check out at OCR Underground for both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, but one of the latest articles I wrote for uh, Spartan was on, the title is actually called Addition by Subtraction. And this is really one of my favorite topics that I, I like to talk about. And it's that how you can get better by certain things you remove from your program. And I go into it in a lot more detail in the article. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but I just want to kind of plant that seed on do you understand why you're doing everything in your training right so squatting is great and it, there's a lot of benefit to squatting but maybe not for you depending on how you do that squat and what it's actually doing for you if you have something that hurts you right there's a good a good reason that something's causing pain and you probably need to figure that out before you just push through that pain so if running hurts running might not be your best option right now and you might have to take that away to actually get better faster and now uh, move forward eventually and, and add the running back in. I'm not saying you're never going to run again, but removing things to actually make you better and, and recover quicker if it is an injury. Um, Brett Jones, who is uh, an instructor for uh, functional movement systems and strong first, I always like his analogy of if your car breaks down, you're not going to fix it while you're driving it, right? While you're driving it to the mechanic, right? That doesn't make sense. You're going to bring it to the mechanic, leave it there, have them fix it. Then you're going to go. Our bodies are the same way. Don't be trying to fix it. You know, you might be doing these foam rolling exercises and stretches and corrective drills to hopefully solve all your problems. But if you're just constantly beating it up with the wrong exercise, it doesn't matter what those, those rolling exercises you do or those stretches, right? You're, you're just going to take a step forward and then take five steps back and then a step forward and then five more steps back. So, um, 
again, just just think about that. Check out the article. I go into some more examples and uh, hopefully give you some some ideas uh, in your own program. All right. Uh, in this episode, we are going to get into a really cool race review. It's actually a, a, an OCR that I hadn't heard of before, Frontline OCR. And I have uh, Ed Leone, one of the founders, on to talk a little bit more about that race and what you can expect from it. In our research review, I'm going to talk all about tapering. And I know that's a super sexy topic and one that everybody really wants to focus on, but this is really where your training can pay off. And if you taper right, it'll actually lead to a great performance. If you taper wrong, it's going to lead to all that hard work that you just went through down the toilet, right? So I'm gonna talk about some studies on tapering and how you can apply it into your own training. And then finally, in our coach's interview, I have SGX coach out of DC, Madeline Delente on, and she's gonna talk about some of her common training practices. She's gonna talk about being uh, fit versus being Spartan fit, and uh, she's going to get into some of her top recovery strategies and how to deal with with certain injuries and uh, some other great stuff there. So, uh, hope you guys like this one. But let's uh, get right into this episode. All right, everybody. I am here with Ed Leone with Frontline OCR. How are you doing today? Doing very well, sir. How are you? I am doing awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, um, so I, I've seen a couple of your posts on on Instagram and, and social media, and you are with Frontline OCR, and I haven't had a chance to do that race yet, so I figured why not get you on here and talk a little bit about it. So let's just start with um, how this all got started for you. Well, it really came from the idea of uh, my partners and I were... Uh, we work law enforcement. So we run these races, we would do Spartan race and we would do other events. And, um, we felt that there wasn't really a race out there that was truly dedicated specifically to first responders and military. I mean, a lot of, of them are attached or they do some work with them, but mm -hmm. there wasn't a race out there that embodied the, the essence of what a first responder and a, and a, and a frontline personnel is all about. So we decided to, to just do it. And we went for it. We had a concept. Uh, we started doing boot camps and getting people on board and just getting the message across to everyone about um, who we are and what we're about. So that's basically, you know, why, you know, we wanted to do a frontline OCR. And there was a climate with first responders not getting the respect that they deserve out in the community with some of the bad press and, um, and issues that were happening. Additionally, our country has been at war for 17 years. I mean, we're, we've been at war. And that's a back page, not even mentioned, you know, piece of information that I think should be at the forefront of everyone's mind, because there are people who are, you know, dying and coming back injured and traumatized. And um, we think that people should be aware of that. So that was another uh, element of why we started Frontline OCR. Awesome. Well, that's an incredibly noble cause. And I'm, you know, I'm assuming you don't have to be in law enforcement or first responder or military to participate. Absolutely not. It's it's open to the public. We just want people to acknowledge and recognize that the fact that these people are doing this type of work, and you know, they're not none of us. None of us who do this type of work are in it to to for the glory or to be thanked. But it is nice to hear that once in a while, especially when you know things are tough. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what a great way to to honor those that are are doing so much for us. That, like you said, we don't always well one maybe not even know about, but also just don't uh, don't always get the recognition that they definitely deserve. Uh, so let's, let's just talk a little bit about the race, uh, specifically. Uh, so what, 
uh, other, other than your mission, what makes this a little bit different than some of the other races out there? Well, one of the, one of the things that makes us different is that uh, we, we, um, we have a, a, a special forces heat. So it's equivalent to the elites for the special forces. We actually have our participants race in um, 16 to 20 pounds of, of body armor. Oh, so nice. it, it basically symbolizes and replicates the um, the actual physical demands that a first responder or, or a military personnel would encounter in the field. So we feel that if these elite athletes can compete with their spandex and their um, and all their regalia, let's see what they can really do when it comes down to it with that extra weight, because it does change the game a little bit with your uh, exhaustion, how you move, how you um, navigate obstacles. It's it's huge. Um, so that's one of the things that separates us um, from that. We additionally, for that uh, elite uh, special forces heat, we, we provide an opportunity for the top two men and top two women to go face-to-face at the end in a, uh, we call the Blitzkrieg, and it's a short course of extremely difficult exercises and obstacles that they do in front of the entire um, uh, event, in front of everyone in the audience. So that's something to give them that extra recognition for their efforts. We also have a, an endurance heat, uh, which is unlimited laps within a certain amount of time. All of our obstacles are mandatory completion for special forces and endurance. You can't, you can't opt out of them. You either do them or you don't. Um, our heroes wave is dedicated to first responders and military. And then we have our open wave. Um, the thing that also separates us from others is that the weight, the obstacles are the same for men and women. We don't have a women's section or a men's section. It's you carry the weight. You, you do the same obstacles as everyone else. And the reason we do that is because when you're on the front line, you don't get to choose who your opponent is. You don't get to choose which uh, incident you're gonna respond to. It's, it's gonna be a real big person, it's gonna be a small person that you have to deal with and you just have to manage. So if you're gonna be on the front line, you need to be able to, to cope with those um, adversities. Um, wow, so that's, that's what separates awesome. us from the competition. Awesome, yeah, that, that's some really cool stuff in there. And uh, I love that you have uh, no division there. Uh, that's, that's great. Um, so uh, with the obstacles, um, I know you're not gonna be able to go over all of them, but like, what can we kind of expect with the type of obstacles you would typically see in a race? Well, we, would, uh, we, have, our, um, we have our carries, we've had some bucket carries, we've had some uh, log carries, but some of the things that we did this year that we didn't do last year is that we incorporated obstacles from the community. So we've had various race organizations, teams that would contribute obstacles. So that kind of diversified the field of what we were trying to do. And it actually brought the community a little tighter because now they felt like they had something to provide to the race and they felt like they belonged and they're able to represent and promote the race a little bit more because they had something to offer. Um, so I thought that was kind of neat that we did that this year. Um, some of our obstacles, and we have a 20 foot warp wall. I haven't seen anyone in, in any race with a 20 foot warp wall. Nice. Um, that's something that separates us um, from, from some of the rest. We have a very, um, we have a, it's a five mile race that we advertise, but we, this year we did almost a six mile course. We threw in a, uh, about three quarters of a mile extra and we have over 30 obstacles in a very small span. So it's back to back intense grip, heavy obstacles, um, that are just, they're just killer. So it, it's not an easy race by any means. It's, it's a very challenging race, but once you do this one, you, you walk away and w- what we wanted to happen is we wanted to get that response that if they can finish this race they could tackle all types of obstacles in their lives. And you can really accomplish a lot. If you can overcome some of this adversity in real life, you can overcome some of those obstacles as well. 
Awesome. And yeah, and I think that's why uh, so many people get drawn to uh, the sport is be just, just like you said, like you push your body and really find out, you know what, I didn't think I could do that. And I definitely did. And next time I'm going to do it even better. So just, this is another great opportunity for that. Um, so is, uh, what would you say is your signature obstacle? Is it that 20 foot warp wall or does it kind of... The 20-foot warp wall is one of our signature obstacles. We also have an Irish platform we call Operating Table, and it's a, it's a monster of an Irish platform. It's over seven feet tall, um, and it it's a vest collector for sure. So we had a lot of people uh, fail in that area. Um, it's very challenging. And the really interesting thing is from, from wave one to wave two, all of the, um, the social media posts of people training specifically for the warp wall, training with the weighted vests, uh, training on Irish platforms of some nature or another to get ready for this. And it was really neat to see these people um, appear at the race and you kind of get to know them virtually throughout the year as they're showing their videos or, you know, they're posting and they're, you know, they're training with the body armor. And then you actually get to meet them on the course and you actually watch them succeed because they failed maybe the year before and then they came back with a vengeance and they really prepared themselves. So it was, it was really neat to see that happen with that, with our two signature obstacles. That's awesome. That's really cool. So, um, uh, when, when's your next race coming up? Are you guys, uh, where are you in the country all, all over the place or is no, it kind of we're, right now? Our main base is uh, the Midwest specifically. We're uh, based in Byron, Illinois, which is okay. 20 minutes Southwest of Rockford, Illinois. Okay, cool. So how many times a year are you doing this race? Is it, is it like a once a year thing or multiple times? We're going twice a year. We're going to do a spring and fall event. So this is going to be our third wave and it'll be October 27th of this year. So awesome. Yeah. Plan to do it twice a year. Okay, great. So for anybody listening, if they want to sign up, what, what should they do? Then they can go to frontlineocr.com and you can hit the registration button. We still need to do some updates on it. So please never mind the, the stuff from the last wave. It's just been a lot of work trying to get everything done. But you go to the registration link. Um, it'll take you right to the uh, run sign-up page, which has the, um, the, uh, the active registration at the moment. Okay, awesome. Sounds good. And I'll put a link in our show notes so people can, can check that out. And Thank what you. is your uh, – I know I follow you on Instagram. So what is your Instagram uh, handle so people can it's, check out some of the posts there? It's at FrontlineOCR. All right, perfect. And I'll, I'll put that in there as well to make it easy for everybody to find out. So Ed, thank you so much for coming on here. This, this sounds like an awesome race. And I'm really hoping I can get out there uh, later this year and, and check it out. Well, I hope you do. And I, I do appreciate the opportunity for uh, allowing us to get our, uh, our voice heard. Uh, anytime. Happy to do it. All right, before we get into our research review, I want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. First up, we have Handmaster Plus, which I'm actually using right now. Might as well be as efficient as possible and, and work out while I work. And I'm using their, their grip, uh, grip tool, which is pretty amazing. It trains the muscles that close the hand uh, and that open the hand for creating more of a balanced grip workout. So it's such, such a cool tool that you can use um, at work watching TV, wherever. You don't have to be in a gym setting, but it's just a, a typical grip ball that has bands running through it that you loop your fingers through, and then you get a, a, an awesome grip workout just um, squeezing the ball and then opening your hand back up. Check out handmasterplus.com, and you can check out uh, 
their product there. And again, I'll put links in the show notes. You can check it out there as well. And then also I have uh, Mobilitas for your mobility tool needs. And actually, we just got hooked up with a pretty sweet deal for you guys listening to this show. You're actually going to get 25% off any of their mobility tools. All you need to go to, uh, do is go to yourjointsshouldnthurt.com. Check out uh, their foam rollers, their spheres, their peanuts, whatever you, you need. And then at checkout, use code OCR underground, all caps, and you can ho- get hooked up with 25% off there. All right, so let's get into our research review. We're going to talk about tapering. And like I mentioned, I know, super exciting topic, but tapering has actually been shown to increase your performance by 2 to 8% when you look at the research on this topic. And that may not sound like a ton, but I'll, I'll take it. I mean, I want every little bit that I can. And almost a 10% increase is, is pretty amazing if you really think about it. And what that's not looking at is when you don't taper properly, are you actually seeing a decrease in what you should be doing originally? So uh, those numbers might technically be a little bit higher if we look at it this way. Uh, so in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, actually um, last month, they looked at tapering practices of strongman athletes. So why am I bringing this up? I know if you're listening, there's a good chance you're not a strongman athlete. But when we look at what's going on in these OCR races, it's pretty similar. We're doing strongman-like activities. Uh, and this is kind of one of the first studies I've seen looking at something specifically to this population. So I thought it would be interesting to bring up at least and then kind of talk about tapering in general. But before we get into the study, we should go over some terms so you understand what tapering is. So hopefully you know what it is, but just in case you don't, this would be basically reducing uh, your workouts or your volume leading up to an event. So it could be a week, two weeks, four weeks even, depending on the length of the, the race you're training to training for. And the idea is that the, uh, the training that you're putting in, you need to recover from it, obviously. So we taper, so we recover. We are completely recovered going into a race. When I try to explain this to my clients, I always try and uh, look at it as you want to be super eager to race again. You want to be ready to go. If you're sore, run down, tired, anything like that, there's a good chance that you were overtrained, you didn't recover enough, you didn't taper properly, and you're going to see a reduction in performance there. So there's different ways to taper, and you are going to have to play around with this to see what works best for you. So one common way would be, a, it's called a step taper. This is a reduction in training volume or intensity that remains unchanged going into competition. So usually we'll see about a 50% decrease in volume. So think like the final week going into a race, you would drop your intensity or volume, however you want to categorize it, by about 50% um, the seven days or so leading up to that race. So you just kind of drop it down and like a big step, and then you stay there leading all the way up to the race. Uh, then you have a linear taper, which is a progressive reduction in volume or intensity. So here, this would be the further you are out, this, the less of a decrease you would see. So let's just say we're um, 10 days out from competition, we would drop our training by about 10%. And then we're nine days out, we're going to do another 10%, and then eight days, and so on. And we slowly decrease um, our, our intensity leading up to it. Then we have a slow, de- a slow decay, which is a progressive reduction in volume that uh, does not occur in a linear faction, fashion. So you might start with a slight decrease uh, and then a dramatic drop as you approach a competition. So, But this might be over a longer period of time that you would do something like this. So it's not like in our linear taper where we saw like a 10% per day, something that's very structured like that. This is more uh, of a, a progressive and then all of a sudden you just drop intensity as you get closer to the intent, uh, to the race day. 
And then we have a fast decay, which is essentially the same thing, but we're just using a, a shorter period of time. So in a slow decay, we might be using a couple weeks. In a fast decay, we might be using a week or so. So I just wanted to kind of get those out there. They're all effective. It just kind of depends on your body and what, what you like to do. So uh, looking at this strongman study that they did, they did a self-reported study and just asked the athletes what, what they did and some of the numbers that they found. So the typical length was 8.6 days, so slightly longer than a week. That step taper, that first one that I mentioned, was the most common, so they uh, dropped about 50%, and actually they, they um, in this study they found it was 45% drop in training volume that they did. And when I say training volume, that's usually categorized, if we're looking at strength training, our, our sets times our reps, times our weight, and that would give you your volume. So you would want to cut that in half, basically. So maybe doing uh, half the, the reps, uh, less weight. There's different ways that we can do it, and we'll talk about that. Uh, then they actually saw a, a cease in activity 3.9 days before competing. So um, the, the few days leading up, they actually didn't do their typical training. They did some things, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, their frequency and duration stayed about the same. They didn't change too much there. They just reduced the volume. Um, and then the activities that they used in their taper were things like massage, foam rolling, um, nutritional focus, nutritional changes, and um, stretching. So kind of typical things that you would see as you're trying to recover, working on your nutrition, working on your mobility, and things like that. Uh, and they also, when they were training, they uh, specifically focused on a high degree of competition specific training so things that they were going to have to do in the actual competition so if we look at that race that that would be like specifically training for certain obstacles or something like that um and then they saw the like i mentioned uh three to five days was enough to feel fully recovered when they stopped uh their their typical training that they were ready to go after that so um what, what does this mean specifically for your training? So one, if you've never thought about training before, this is something that you definitely should, should think of. Now, what we listed here were numbers specifically for strongman uh, competitors. But again, I think the numbers they found were pretty awesome and, and really things that I know I typically use myself and with clients. So I think there's, there's something we can definitely relate to this. So uh, just some things that I want you to walk away with for your uh, tapering. Uh, number one, like I said, think about your volume, your sets times your reps times your weight. Again, if we're, if we're using typical strength measurements there, and we can look at running the same way and distance you're running uh, as well. We, we want to drop that down as we lead into training. So how do you want to do it? Do you want to do more of a step taper? Like, like that was mentioned in this study seemed to be effective. Uh, they would just drop the week or so leading up, maybe a little bit longer than a week, drop that by about 50% or so, and then just maintain that, that level there. That's, that's a pretty standard approach, and I think it is uh, pretty effective. So um, what they did find that I forgot to mention, that when they have a shorter taper, so something like 10 days or less, that type of model seems to be the best. Right? If you're going to do a longer taper of maybe a couple weeks, you can, you'll probably want to look at some of the other ones. Now... Again, what we want to look at, so what do you typically work better with? Do you want to be totally recovered, totally rested? You might do something like this where you, you really start to decrease that, that volume. And uh, some people, though, and I, know I have clients that I work with that are this way, they don't want to give up intensity the week leading up. They feel like that's what helps them. And I think that's okay, but you have to be smart about how you do it and really look at that volume. So let's say in a normal sprint, uh, hill sprint day, you do 10 sprints. 
we're going to cut that down significantly. And we're still going to do our sprints at the same exact intensity, but you might only do like three of them or four of them. So it's almost the same exact workout, but we are cutting our duration down pretty significantly to reduce that volume there. Um, or if you're talking about strength training, you still want to lift heavy. That's great. But instead of doing like five sets, maybe you're only going to do two sets at a heavy, heavy weight, right? So these are all different ways we can, we can play around with it. So, um, I think again, just to, to reiterate some of these things, that week to two weeks leading up to the event, either uh, slowly decrease each day leading up to the race or drop it down and keep it there and just kind of spend that time to recover. Definitely focus on your nutrition, focus on your hydration. These are all great things to work on in your tapering. Don't save them for like the day before or the day of a race. Um, and then, yeah, if, if you want to keep that intensity up, that's awesome. Keep training hard, just really reduce that intensity because if you're sore every day going in a, a taper week, that's not going to be helpful for you, right? We want to be recovered, freshed, and, and ready to go. So I hope those things help you out and, and at least give you some ideas on how you can taper for your next race. All right, in this week's coaches interview, I have on Madeline Ann Delente. Madeline is a fitness guru, trainer to the trainers, OCR fanatic, Spartan racer, author, fitness model, and certified in 83 disciplines. She was trained by Johnny G, the original creator of spinning, and got certified in 1999. She created cycle programs at Gold's Gym, Washington Sports Club, Sports Club LA, and Zengo Cycle. She's the creator of Lava Cycle, Lava Cycle RX. She's a Reebok ambassador, marathoner, and an SGX coach. All right, so Coach Madeline, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Great. It's uh, sunny here in Washington, D.C. Awesome. So it's sunny. It's actually, we have, uh, I'm in San Diego. It's a little cloudy, so, uh, but not, I can't complain. We get a lot of sun out here. <laughs> you do. So, yeah. So uh, let's just get started with, let's tell everybody a little bit about your story and, and kind of how you got involved with uh, obstacle course racing and, and Spartan coaching, and, and we'll, we'll start from there. Well, I started uh, teaching as a freshman in college. Um, I also ran cross country in college and I found like a love for running. And so I started doing marathons and um, found that I was doing four to five marathons a year and it really enjoyed it. But then I heard about a mud run. And I think the first one years ago was Warrior Dash. And um, I had always loved running on the trails. I did a lot of that in college. So I found that doing the um, obstacle course racing was a natural fit for my passion. I grew up like, around horses and just spending a lot of time outdoors. And um, I, I did my first Spartan race and I was just hooked, like fell in love with it. So what I decided to do was use teams or use my clients and um, train my clients in boot camps to be able to do Spartan races. Because I find that in fitness, a lot of people want to look a certain type, but to really live fitness as a lifestyle, it has to be more of an internal motivation. And having a goal often, it, having some type of fitness goal often changes people's life in so many ways. Um, I did my first Spartan race, and I had so much fun. I actually trained a team of folks from Equinox Gyms. I was teaching a class and uh, convinced about 15 to 20 of my students to come out and do the race with me, and we just had a blast. 
it was just, it was really fun. Um, it was a great opportunity to, to get to know everyone on a more personal basis. But the best thing about it was when I got back to the gym to teach my boot camp and I said, do burpees, everyone was kind of excited about it. <laughs> so what I saw, <laughs> yeah, who, whoever likes doing a burpee, right? Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I saw the confidence grow and then I decided I wanted a bigger challenge. So I joined a big group of people and we started training and it just, it became kind of my happy place. And at that time I was, I had a, a job that I wasn't really happy with. Um, and I felt like I needed somewhere to excel. So the Spartan racing became a way, became an opportunity where I didn't think about my job. Um, I was around a lot of really cool people and I just spent time training and, you know, and, uh, being outdoors where I love to be. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I just always love hearing people's stories because it's more than, than just a race that, that people find when they, when they do a, a Spartan race or, or any of these other type of obstacle course races where it's, um, that, that they're kind of finding that, that scratching that itch a little bit where it's, something was missing and then this is kind of filling a little hole and then they just go down that rabbit hole of finding all the ways this is benefiting from them. So I, I don't think you're alone with, with that, that situation that you were in. So, um, and yes, it, it's funny how all of a sudden people like doing burpees and, <laughs> you know, the, that's what's kind of separates the person that likes doing the Spartan race and, and somebody that doesn't. Right. So, uh, something we were talking about earlier before recording that I, I'd like to get your take on, you mentioned something, you know, being Spartan fit versus fit. And I just wanted to kind of, uh, get your thoughts on that topic right there. I've been a personal trainer for probably 15 years and I teach all different types of group exercise. And I also coach a lot of folks for Spartan races. And I often have people come to me that say, Oh, I want to get in the best shape. I want to have a six pack. And I think that Spartan training is a little bit different than giving someone a six pack. Because when I look at training for a Spartan race or any kind of obstacle course race, you have to be able to lift heavy things. You have to be able to lift your body over walls. You have to be able to swing your body across monkey bars. You have to be able to pull down a heavy sandbag, especially if it's rained. You have to be able to carry a bucket. That, to me, is different than getting someone a six-pack because you could diet, you could use two gallons of water, go all the way down to a glass of water, and get shredded abs. <laughs> but that's not going to necessarily make you strong enough to pull down a heavy sandbag. So I, I have to put back into people's minds, you will get fitter training for a Spartan race. You will look better, but being on the cover of a magazine and having a six pack is much different than being a hardcore athlete. If you look, I've trained um, some of the Olympic uh, soccer players, those soccer players, don't have six packs all the time. So them getting stronger and being able to kind of move people out of their way when they're on the, on the um, turf is, is much different than, you know, trying to get real lean. I think, though, the more that someone trains for a race, the more they make better decisions. So I try to get someone to think, 
can they lift something heavy? Will they be successful climbing over a wall? Can they develop skills rather than focus on just trying to get really lean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I love that mentality. Um, I think it, it's tough sometimes because people just following a plan, maybe they saw something in a magazine and they're following some 10 week program in there. But I think when you really understand the purpose behind your, your workouts and what you're actually trying to do, that's when you're going to see the best results versus, you know, something's better than nothing. If you're going to the gym, talk down about that, but we want to make sure that you are, um, following a specific purpose. And if you want a six pack, you know, and want to get lean, that's awesome. And that's a great goal, but know that what you're doing to get those goals might actually make or interfere with your, so, um, that I I just, sometimes people need to almost separate their goals, right. Where they think it's okay. If you need to lean up, you need to lose weight. A lot of it's going to be just a byproduct of training for a race and, and, um, some numbers and the scale and all that, it actually helps speed up the progress, but just know, like, like you mentioned with training athletes, right. With a soccer player, they don't train the same all year round, right? Like you said, sometimes they have a six pack, sometimes they don't. It, it kind of depends what are they specifically working on right now. And in the off season, maybe they gained a couple pounds and it's like, okay, when we're not competing, this is when I need to drop my calories down and really focus on, on losing weight versus in season. That's not my goal anymore. I need to make sure I'm, I'm fully um, getting the good nutrition that I need to fuel my workouts not and my performance not not for my goals so uh that's that's a hard concept for people to to get sometimes do you do you feel there is an extra like challenge getting that message across to your clients or is there anything you do to help clients well i think one of the biggest things is I try to get people focused on what what go, what obstacles they're going to have to be able to conquer, and I get them thinking about the challenges versus the way they physically look. For me, it's really important to get someone's core strong because I think the more they can use their core to get over a wall or to to move across the monkey bars or the rings, the better core strength they have the better they're going to be. So I try to get them to only think about how their body will help them move rather than how they look in the mirror. And I think that the better they're able to move and the more they accomplish, the happier they are and the better decisions they make, which will in turn help them also lean out and and achieve their goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to switch topics real quick, or I, on on a similar note, um, injuries is another thing. So we know training for a Spartan race and and becoming Spartan fit an injury, but they they come up. So. What are your thoughts on, on dealing with injuries? Uh, anything specific that you do to help clients out or maybe yourself personally to, to get around some of these things? Um, I, I'm going to be quite honest on this subject. I think most people get injured because they don't train properly and they don't eat properly. So yeah. two very important c- 
components. You know, I, I did CrossFit every single day and ran five days a week. Never got injured. But what I learned was when I had such heavy loads on my body, I had to have good body fat. I mean, I had to eat good fat in order for my body to recover. I had to take branched-chain amino acids for my body to recover. So I think that if you're going to adopt a new program, you need to stay strict to your training. I hadn't run in a couple weeks and ran hard a half-trail marathon and paid for it the next day <laughs> because you really shouldn't mm -hmm. increase your running more than yeah. 10%. So I think that if you think you're going to do a Spartan race and you've never swung a monkey bars or you've never carried a bucket or you don't spend any time training, you, you do have a risk of getting injured, just like going out running a marathon and having only run eight miles. I think the coolest thing about a Spartan race, about any challenge, is the journey. And I think if you spend time training properly, you're much more you're less likely to get an injury. Most injuries occur because you're not eating properly or you're not training consistently. Two simple concepts. But if you do get injured, I'm a huge, huge fan of chiropractors, but one that is actually an athlete himself, so he's knowledgeable. I think getting massages, I think cupping, I think electric stim units are awesome. Um, I think there's a lot of options out there, rolling but you can't ignore it either. So I think taking care of it is important as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's one thing, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, where when those injuries pop up, it's, you know, it's, it's human nature to kind of, or at least nowadays, to hop on social media and say, hey, my knee's bugging me. What do you guys do for, for this? And you know, that always irritates me a little because nobody can answer that. It could be the smartest person in the world on the other end, but they don't know how you heard it, what specifically is going on. You know, they don't have x-ray vision. There's lots yeah. of things that get involved to diagnose an injury and using, using Google and Facebook, uh, while great or for, are, are great for brought up, you need a team, right? You, you need people that can help you, whether you know, there's lots of different techniques out there, you know, chiropractor, massage therapy, physical therapy, all the different disciplines within each of those. But having having somebody that you can do is going to make the world a difference. And that's something that I learned a long time ago when I was noticing my kind of like you were saying, my training was leading to my injuries. And, you know, I've come a long way and learned a lot from my mistakes. And now I can pass that on to my clients. But um, I was getting hurt all the time and, and trying to self and pick my own things or lay off it and do nothing for a while and then try and jump right back in and just to re-injure myself. So um, I think these are common mistakes people make. But step one is find somebody you trust and you might have to shop around a little bit and find that person. But knowing uh, somebody can look at what's going on with your body because you can't you know, critique or give you that feedback and then you can you can start start doing whatever you need to do to to help speed that up. So, I, I think that's that's something that most people should just walk away with right there. If you don't have somebody in contact with in your network that you can go to with injuries, because unfortunately they are going to pop up. Uh, that that should be your your step number one. Um, now, what about in the meantime? Do you have any strategies? So let's say you have an injury, whatever it is, your your knee is something's going on there. 
And uh, what do you recommend? So like I mentioned, we obviously don't want to do nothing, but we, we need to walk that fine line of doing too much. Do you have any recommendations that, okay, you have an injury, you still want to get your workouts in, what should you do? Okay, so I, you know, I go pretty hard. So there's times where I'm really sore. And, uh, you know, I think when you start to feel like, oh, my hip's really sore, my knee's really bugging me, then maybe focus on upper body and core for a couple days. If you can roll out the areas around your knee, like your quadriceps, your IT band, that often helps. Uh, I also mentioned I'm a huge fan of electric spin units. Um, so I'll use that on my quad and my IT band. And then normally, like a day or two later, my knee's fine. But what often people do, which just exacerbates it, they have a knee issue and they'll continue to run like, oh, man, I got to get it running. I got to get it running. And then they wonder why they can't walk for a couple of days. So it's just, it's, it's being smart. And I think sometimes it just takes time. And, you know, as you get older, you realize these things. But rollers are great. Maybe taking some time off um, and focusing on another skill. Like if you can't run, you can always focus on getting the upper body stronger. Work on your grip strength. You know, I broke my big toe when I was racing. So at that time, I was a pretty competitive runner. Couldn't run for six months. So what I do, I was able to cycle. After a while, I could do some Bikram yoga, and I could really get my upper body stronger. Awesome. Yeah, and um, I think that's that's such an important thing, and it freaks people out when they hear it. Where And I'll, I'll tell clients the same thing. If, if something hurts, you got to stop doing it. And not forever, but... In the time for the time being, you can't do this right now because every time you do it, we are taking another step back and it's going to take that much longer to recover. So, yes, if running hurts, you need to take a break. Like you mentioned, there's tons of other things that you can work on, just not running right now or, or finding a way that we can um, just still work on our aerobic fitness or whatever we're trying to train without that specific task. And yeah, work on grip, do some other things, rehab that injury, and then get back to it as soon as you can. And I know this kills people, but if, if you really want longevity in the sport and not to be total wreck 10 years later, this is what you really have to do to, to be able to, to make it through that way. Um, I do want to ask you, you mentioned STEM. Do you have any particular brands that you like or that you, you personally use? I do. Um, oh my gosh. Let me tell you, I have that app on my phone. My favorite STEM unit is I actually control it via my phone. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's called My Power Dot. My so Power my Dot? Power, yes, I love it. Um, it it's, what's really great about it is that there are two different um, pods. So you can control them, like if you wanted to put it on your right calf and then your right IT band you can make the one on your calf like lower than you would, would on your IT band. Cool. So it allows you to um, make different adjustments and it goes up really, really high if you want it. And then it records everything you do. So you can look back and say, you know, I've been doing STEM. I noticed on my right glute and my right IT band, I did that over the past month, six times. Maybe, it, you know, I need to get adjusted. So it's, it's great. Just, you know, sometimes I'll do a beast and then I've got a sprint the next day and I'm sore. 
and I just I use my stim unit and sometimes I use it for like 40 minutes and then I'm fine the next day. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I use uh, one called uh, Compex and I, I know there's a ton of different ones out there. I'll put links in our show notes for this episode so people can check some of these different products out. But I, yeah, I use it for recovery, just like you mentioned. I also, it has a couple settings that I can use it while I'm training too. So uh, they're pretty versatile, which is which is neat. But I like your idea of doing it um, with the back-to-back races. I have actually have a race uh, this weekend and I'm doing the beast and the sprint. So I'm, I think I might bring it and, and help speed up that recovery a little bit. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, let's... Uh, Let's switch topics a little bit and talk about uh, accountability and the mental side of training. So, you know, one thing like with this podcast and and all this different other information that's out there, you know, it can be overwhelming. You know, there's lots of information on different training techniques, recovery techniques, nutrition. Um, and a lot of people know a lot, but they still don't follow through. So what, what tips do you have when people learn new information or want to change a program or get started on a program? how can they become more accountable and actually adhere to something and and finish something that they start? Well, you know, I think I've seen so many people accomplish great things with Spartan race. And to me, that's really exciting. And I think that anyone can accomplish anything, but we all need to stay motivated. So one of the biggest things with motivation is having that accountability and You know, I think one of the good things about telling people what you're going to do online is specifically that when people know you're going to do something, it kind of gives you that accountability. But a lot of times people come to me because I send them text messages. They check in with me weekly. So having a coach can be a huge benefit because that person will hold you accountable. And basically signing up for a race, gives you some accountability, but having a coach, or if you don't have a coach, having a team of people or a partner that you train with, I think it makes a big difference. When you're tired in the morning, you've only slept four hours, knowing that you're going to meet your workout buddy to go for a trail run, that's going to make a difference. Knowing that you're going to meet that friend to go work on grip training or grip strength, that's going to make a difference. I think a lot of people are more motivated to do things if they know that someone else is waiting for them. I think if running is your weakness, and I've had people ask me about this on social media, join a run group. Because if you're finding a challenge where you're not doing something that you know is pertinent to your training, you have to hire a professional or join a group. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. If it's not happening now, You're not just going to wake up one day and say, oh, wow, I feel like going for a run. (laughs) So those Mm -hmm. are the two two things. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think, you know. Yeah, I I think. uh... Are you still there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um. You, you brought up a couple of really uh, cool points there. So I, I think one, yeah, like you mentioned, just signing up for the race is a great motivator, right? Whether you've done 10 of them or it's going to be your first one, because that still works for me. When I have a race coming up, my training 
goes to another level because I know I have a specific goal for that race, which I think one step one assignments to complete it, to do no burpees, to whatever a podium. But if you have that specific goal, you're more likely to, to do what you need to do to get there. Like for me, I weak, my biggest weakness is the running. So I know if I'm not going to do the, so that is my main motivator. If I didn't have a race coming up, I know my running would significantly go down. So that's, that's kind of my, my motivator there. Um, and then, like you said, that social accountability is huge. Having, you know, obviously a coach is going to be, uh, your best op and out everything for you and then make sure you're staying on track constantly. Um, but if, if you can't go that route, finding a buddy, letting people know what you're doing so you can have a little bit of accountability there. And, um, with, with training the clients I work with, it's kind of like nutrition. If you're just going to wake up in the morning and be like, what am I going to eat today? What, what do I have in the fridge or what's in the, in the pantry? That's a lot of times you, when you get in trouble, unless you know everything in there is going to be the, the easiest, healthiest choice. A lot of times it's going to be what's quick and easy, what tastes good. And that's, that's what gets you in trouble. But if you had a plan for the week, like Monday, here's my breakfast, snacks, lunch, dinner, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through the week. Now you just follow the plan. So for me, when I have my plan actually written up, you know, do it on an Excel spreadsheet, plan out your entire month. So you know exactly what you have to do. And now you just follow through. It's almost like I'm a big checklist person and I get a lot of satisfaction with, you know, crossing that thing off the list or checking it off. And that really works well for me where I have my list, my workouts I need to accomplish. And now I just have to follow through and they're very specific. Now, obviously this is where a coach comes in uh, very handy because they can get very specific on, Hey, just don't go on a run today. We're going to look at your heart rates, your training zones and, and be very specific with your plan. So now I know Monday, this is my long, low intensity run. I do that. Tuesday is my strength day. Here's my program. I do that. And I, I just check through. So, um, I, I always feel like that's a great way to help keep me motivated and accountable to, to my program. Yeah. Um, I, let's, oh, sorry, go ahead. I would say I completely agree with that. I think one of the things that people don't realize is having a specific plan by a coach makes a big difference. You know, like you mentioned earlier, people go online and like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But for each person, they have a, you know, unique body, a unique training, a unique background, so having a coach just enables someone to get a specific plan that's tailored for them. And it really makes it easy. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying you can't get ideas from, from stuff online and, and new exercises or, or new techniques for certain things. It's just, you know, when you see those, those programs come out, just make sure it's going to match up with your, your specific goal and situation and, and modify as needed. Or like we've been saying, you can have a coach just write up your specific plan for you and you, you just follow along. Um, so what are, um, since we're talking about uh, training right now too, what are kind of your key areas that you are, try to focus on with, with a client? Or um, what, what are just some things that you do when you get a new client asking you, hey, what, what do I do to get started? Well, the most important thing to me is to understand where they're at. You know, a lot of, pe a lot of people say, well, you know, 10 years ago, I was a college athlete or... Five years ago, I ran a marathon. Well, quite frankly, I don't care what you did in the past. I want to know what you did in the last. <laughs> you know, like, that's great if you were an you know, Olympic athlete, but where are you right now? And I think, you know, life happens and changes happen. I don't care about yesterday. I want to focus on today. Where is someone at? 
what what have they been eating are they what are they drinking what what have they been doing the last month um kind of what are what is their lifestyle like so and what are they willing to commit those are the most important things to me i think when i'm developing someone's program is how much time can you commit um how far is the race out you know, and just trying to make it very realistic for them. For example, I have a gentleman come to me, older gentleman, who's going to do a um, Spartan sprint, and he has a lot of knee issues. So I have him doing, um, he can still climb, but I have him doing a lot of deep water running as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, looking at the client's abilities, how much time I have to train them, and then also I'm very, I try to focus on being obstacle specific because, Strength doesn't necessarily transfer over into grip strength. And I think grip strength is such a key factor. Um, So I do some tests in the beginning, even the first day, just to kind of see how strong are the legs, how strong is their core, can they lift their body, can they hold on, what kind of grip strength do they have. And then that helps me uh, develop their training program. and, And it gives me an idea of, like, where I'm starting, and then how much I need to ramp up, and then also what kind of time requirement I need them to kind of fulfill according to how far the race is. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, you know, I like that you brought up where they are right now and not where you were 10 years ago, because I think a lot of us are guilty of that, right? Where we were an athlete in college or high school or whatever, and we used to be at this particular fitness level, And maybe you haven't done anything in a while and you're not there anymore. And this is kind of what leads to those injuries where you just think you can pick it up after 10 years of doing nothing and you're going to be totally fine. And it's like, you know what? You're a newbie now. You need to start over. And yes, you might gain it quicker and just understanding what's your starting point right now. Forget everything else that you've done in the past, but where are we at right now? And then where do we need to go? So I I love that mentality there. I think that's that's a great way to approach hey what should i be doing in my training it's well where are you at right now before we can even move on to there awesome we're running we're running out of time but i i know you have a a giveaway that i wanted to bring up so um for all of our listeners you they can win something pretty cool so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that so um if you follow me uh at madeline delenti on instagram I'm going to be posting a really, really funny video um, from Curb Your Enthusiasm because I believe that water is a key ingredient. It's something that people don't drink enough of. And um, I, here in D.C., we have horrible water, so I use the zero water filter system. And if you comment on my post, then I will be giving away to one lucky person a zero water filter system awesome cool do they need to comment anything in particular or just put a comment on there and they enter into the the drawing just put a comment on there so it will be posted today at five o'clock okay Awesome. So, uh, this gets out. It might be a couple days have gone by, but we'll, we'll get this up as soon as possible. So, um, so first off, how do they find you on Instagram? So it's Madeline Delente. It's, um, M A D E L I N E. And then 
D as in David, O-L-E-N-T-E. Awesome. And I will put links in our show notes so they can uh, just find it right through there and, and click on it and watch the video because it is going to be hilarious because Curb Your Enthusiasm is one of the funniest shows out there. So um, if, you've never, if you've never seen the show, you're in for a, a, a treat and hopefully you can catch, as long as you're not easily offended, you can catch, a, catch an episode. All right. Well, uh, any other way people can reach out to you or, or anything you wanted to, uh, that I forgot to ask you or um, any final thoughts before we uh, sign off? Uh, feel free to friend me on Facebook under Madeline Valencia again. And then I also have another page, Mad Fitness. Um, my website is madfitness.com. So any training questions or any way I can help, feel free to contact me anytime and Spartan up. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. This was great. Sure. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 50 of the OCR Underground Show. If you need any uh, tips or want to check out the show notes, don't forget to go to www.ocrunderground.com slash episode 50 and you'll get any links mentioned in this show. Plus, check out all of our sponsors and the discount codes uh, for all of them you'll, you'll see there. So I want to give a, a special thanks to uh, Ed Leon with Frontline OCR to tell us a little bit about their race. And uh, again, check out the show notes where you can learn on how to sign up for their next race. And special thanks to SGX coach Madeline Delente for coming on and sharing her thoughts on training and recovery and motivation and all that good stuff. I hope you guys got some great things out of this week's episode. Um, I wanted to mention that depending on when you're listening to this, we are opening registration to our Fuel and Fire program. If you are looking for a step-by-step program for the next 12 weeks, we're myself and dietitian Ann uh, LaRue are going to walk you through your training and nutrition plan for the next three months to help you train for your next race. So you can just go to ocrunderground.com slash fuel dash fire dash elite and learn more about that program and sign up. We are starting on June 18th. So depending on when you listen to this registration may be closed. Um, but if you listen to this, uh, as we release it, please check that out and you can learn more and, and reserve your spot on there. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it. Hope you guys have an awesome week and keep training smarter.